Good evening. Looking a little bit different around here. Good old vacation Bible adventure. You know what? That's what the song is really all talking about. You know, um, why have I never cared? Part of the song, why have I never cared? You know, give me eyes so I can see and arms I can reach out so I can be like Jesus. Why have I never cared was, was part of the song there. And, uh, but before we get into our lesson, I'd like us to take a, a few moments, if we could, and there are some people, I believe it was out in, I uh, was at Dallas, had some pretty tragic things going on out there. You know, the world in which we live is it's pretty dark and evil. And the world in which we live, they need Jesus. And the best time to reach them is when they're young. Men, women, boys, and girls, you know, uh, we all were younger at one point in time, and that's the best time to reach us. But I'd like to take a moment just that we'd pray for the uh, families of all, especially the law officers and all, you know. We have a lot of, uh, you know, men and women in our congregation who are lawmen in many different branches and have been that way for many years, and I've got a whole bunch it's been in my family, and I reckon it kind of hits close to home there. But let's just take a moment. Anytime some, something tragic like this happens, let's just ask God to, to comfort those families. Can we do so? Lord, we do come to you in the name of Jesus. And we join our faith together and ask that you would comfort those whose hearts are broken, who truly do not understand what's just happened and why it happened. We ask that you give them your peace that pass us all understanding, that you touch their, their hearts, almighty God. And in the tragedies that have happened, that you turn it around somehow in a way that you can do it and work it together for good. Help us, almighty God, to do our part in this dark world to let our light shine out bright, to bring as many folks to you as possible, to turn on the light in those dark areas and give hope to those that are so desperate. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let me see if I can find our thermostat. We have this thing on a timer, supposed to turn off at a certain time, but hadn't been working properly. Oh, man, it's dark back here. Let me see if I can find my phone. Got a flashlight on there. All right. Go off? All right. Let me see. I got a knife. I can cut the wires. I have been known to take a hammer to them before. They go off again? You know what? Okay. <laughs> I think that will take care of it. Y'all don't do that at your house when the thermostat don't work? Okay. There's one over there, but we'll let that one go for now. But our, our guys who's in that department, we're going to reset those. They're supposed to go off at a certain time. All right. Thank you. Ah, oh, see, what are we talking about here tonight? 
Who cares? I say we go home. Well, the truth of it is, that's just a, a question that I had. Who cares? Really, I mean, we hear that a lot in this world. I mean, out in Texas, things that are going on. Our, our politicians who, they don't care how much money they spend. They know they're going to leave it for somebody else to try to figure out the match. They don't care about life and, and little unborn babies, and they don't really care about a whole lot of stuff. And there's a whole lot who's our leaders of our nation who don't care. They honestly, goodness, they don't. That's a horrible thing for a pastor to say, isn't it? That's why we pray for them. There are some who care, but there are some who do not care for this nation. It almost seems that they care for another nation better. You know, I'm just being honest with you. Just don't take a wise man to figure that out sometimes. Just you look and you see what's going on. But my question stands who cares? Who cares? You know? And uh, you'll hear that question from time to time. Somebody might ask you that. You might see it in a commercial or on some movie about who cares, you know. Well, you know, even if you cannot prevent another person's sorrow, caring will lessen the pain. Does that make sense? The fact that you care will lessen the pain from somebody else. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, all praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the, what's that word? He's the source. I mean, that's where it originates at, you know? He is the source of every mercy, every mercy, every compassion, all the grace, Every good thing, it comes from him. He's the source of it all. All praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the source of every mercy. And he's the God who, what's that word? He comforts us. Now, God comforts us. Do we ever need to be comforted? Do we ever need any pain physically, spiritually, emotionally? Do we ever distraught, you know? It says... He comforts us. He comforts us because he cares. Who cares? Well, number one, God cares. And hopefully those who love God and live for God, hopefully we care. He says here, he's the source of every mercy and the God who comforts us. Verse 4 says, he comforts us in all our trouble. All. You have never, ever had trouble of any kind that God was not there comforting you. Now, you may have ignored it. You, you may have turned your back on him. Or you may have been consciously aware, hey, God's here. He's helping me do this deal. But he's there. It says, he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. Sometimes, well, why am I going through this? Maybe one of the reasons you're going through some of the things you're going through is so God can comfort you and show you the way through it so you, as time progresses, will be able to comfort others who are going to go through the similar things that you've gone through. Like, wow, that's, a, that's an interesting thought. 
You mean the difficulties I've, I've, I've gone through? Uh, there's going to be other people who, who are doing, dealing with similar situations and I can share with them how God got me through that? Absolutely. Verse 4 says, He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others when others are troubled. We will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. And the world in which we live is full of hurting, lonely people. Have you noticed that? And, and when we've been through issues our own self, and God has helped us and comforted us, and scriptures have meant so much to us, and built our faith, and God's come to our rescue, and he turned it around and, and, and helped us, and then we can go and we can share, you know what, God... He did this for me. And God's going to respect your person. It's what he does for one. He'll do for all. That's just the truth of it, you know. Uh, verse 5, it says, You can be sure that the more we suffer for Christ, for Christ, not suffering because you have robbed a bank or, you know, something like that, but it says the more that we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. So when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for other people's benefit and salvation. For your benefit and salvation. For when God comforts us, it is so that we, in turn, can be an encouragement to you, to other people. What a thought. God is teaching us how to care for other people by the way he's caring for us. Verse 7 says, we are confident that as you share in suffering, you will also share God's comfort. It's pretty cool. Someone once said, it says, don't walk in front of me. I may not follow. Don't walk behind me. I may not lead. They said, just walk beside me and be my friend. Do we care enough to kind of walk beside somebody through the things they're going through in their life? Listen to what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed in whatever it is that you're doing. So who cares? Number one, God cares. Number two, we, God's children, we care. And God comforts us so we can comfort other people. That's just the truth of it, you know. Uh, picking up in verse 10 here, in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 10, it says, if one person falls... The other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. So we care. We care for one another. This coming week, you know, it's because so many of you have been caring, been praying, been preparations of all kinds. You know, the little, well, there's a lot more than a little, but there's a lot of work went into here, but there's a lot of work behind the scenes that nobody's seen because the men, the women, the boys and girls at Faith Living Church, they care about our communities. The other boys and girls who don't know Jesus. Oh, they're going to have fun. But it's not just about having fun. It's about finding Jesus in a real personal way, you know. And we can do so much more together than we can independently alone. Abraham Lincoln once said, he said, I am sorry for the man who can't feel the whip when it is laid on the other man's back. Can you feel what's going on in other people? You ever see other people embrace your heart, what they're going through? Abraham Lincoln said, I feel sorry for those who, 
who their, their, their conscience is basically seared. They have no more feelings. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty nine. 29. It says, who is weak? The apostle says, who is weak without my feeling that weakness? They're weak. I feel it, he says. Who is led astray? And I do not burn with anger. So somebody's leading somebody off the, 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 the straight and narrow path into some real evil, wicked darkness. He says, I get angry about that. You know, I feel that. Someone has been led astray. I'm going to do something about it, you know. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says, this high priest of ours, talking about Jesus, he understands our weaknesses. Did you know Jesus understands your weakness? He understands it. Have you ever said that to somebody else? Well, you just don't understand what I'm going through. You just don't understand. Jesus understands it. That's why he left his riches and glory, came here to earth to prove to us he understands it. He understands going through potty training. He understands having brothers and sisters. He, he went through everything you and I went through so he could identify and convince us that he understands. It says, this high priest of ours understands our weakness. Do we understand other people's weakness? Or when we see other people weak, do we criticize it? I can guarantee you this, Jesus, not once, not ever, has ever criticized a human being's weakness. He understands it and comes alongside us and helps us through it. It says, This high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all the same temptations that we do. Yet, he did not sin. So he can help us to overcome the temptation. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 13 says, Sing for joy, O heavens. Rejoice, O earth. Burst into song, O mountains. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on them in their sorrow. See, God has a very tender affection for his people. Even people who are sinful people, he has a tender affection to forgive and to cleanse and to give another chance. That's the heartbeat of Almighty God. And as we become more and more Christ-like ourselves, will be more tender-hearted, tender and affectionate, and be willing to give other people a chance, another chance, and another chance. Verse 14 goes on to say, Yet Jerusalem says, Well, the Lord has deserted us. Just because you say something don't mean it's true. I mean, all the political baloney that's been going on for the last several bunches of months, just because somebody says something don't mean it's true. You understand that? Just because something is said don't mean it's true. And it says here, yet Jerusalem says, the Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. Not, uh-uh. It was said, but it wasn't true. Verse 15 says, never, exclamation mark, never. And then it goes and says, can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for a child she has born? But even if that were possible for mom to forget about her babies, God says, I would not forget you. Let's read it one more time. Verse 15. Never. We just read up in verse 14. Jerusalem said, well, the Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. Verse 15. Never can a mother forget her nursing child. 
Can she feel no love for a child that she has born, that she gave birth to? But even if that were possible, and it is possible for a mom to forget, God says, I would not forget you. Now, there's some people who say, you've probably heard this, maybe seen it in the paper at times. There's some people who say that our country is going to the dogs. You ever heard of that? Well, maybe that's not so bad. You know, I got a dog. It's a nice dog. It don't complain. It's a nice, it just loves us. Don't expect a whole lot. It just wants to be part of the family, you know. Think about this for a moment. Sometimes dogs show a whole lot more compassion than people do. So if our country's going to the dogs, it might not be such a bad thing if it was honestly going to the dogs. Here's an article I came across years ago. The Detroit police officers say they found an abandoned baby boy in a weed-filled alley being warmed and licked by a stray dog that had curled up around the baby. The baby was in stable condition at the Detroit hospital. Officer Joseph DeBlitz and Timothy Bannon found the newborn Thursday afternoon after following a trail of blood from the West Side house where he was believed to have been born. The trail led to a weed-filled alley where the blood splatter German Shepherd lay, Officer DeBlitz said. Officer DeBlitz said the dog, which ran off, was curled around the baby that was holding a little twig in its hand, and the, ba and, and, and the baby was being licked by the dog. The baby was rushed to Sinai Hospital of Detroit, suffering from hypothermia, a lowering of the body temperature caused by exposure to the cold. The six-pound, four-ounce infant's body temperature was restored to normal, and he was listed in stable condition Friday night in the hospital's neonatal intensive care unit. Sinai spokesman Barbara Lewis said, Officers DeBlitz and Bannon discovered the baby after being sent to the home of Gretchen Davis, 20 years old, who had gone to Sinai's emergency room for treatment of bleeding. The doctors informed police that there was, they were treating a woman who had just given birth, but there was no baby, Officer Bannon said. While Officer DeBlitz questioned the woman's mother, Officer Bannon said he looked out the window and he saw the trail of blood leading to the alley, the dog and the baby that it was sheltering. Miss Davis said that she didn't realize that she was pregnant. And the first and and first saw the baby in the hospital on Friday. She said that she would keep the baby now. But the Michigan Department of Social Services filed an abandonment petition on Friday in Wayne County Juvenile Court in an attempt to obtain permanent custody of the baby, agency spokesman Margaret Anzinger said. Miss Lewis said the baby would remain at Sinai until the custody matter was resolved. Now let me just read you the verse that I just read. And it's uh, in Isaiah, I'm going backwards here, Isaiah 49, verse 14, Oh, uh, yeah, it says, Yet Jerusalem says, The Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. Verse 15, Never! This is God's word. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she? Yes, yes she can. 
Can she feel no love for a, a child that she has born? Is it possible? Yes, it's possible. I mean, it's not often, but it's possible. But even if that were possible, God says, I would not forget you. So we just wanted to show you that the Bible was true. It says it can happen. It's rare, but it can happen, and, and it's in the news from time to time. But God says, I will not forget you. I will not forsake you because God cares. Who cares? God cares. And then I'm beginning to understand and find out that God's kids care also because they learn from their heavenly Father. Psalms 116 verse 1 says, I love the Lord because he hears and he answers my prayers. Now, you know, we have a young lady who's a Marine you know, she's just about to graduate from her boot camp, you know, down in Paris Island. And, uh, you know, we pray for her all the time. And I've said, mentioned something about her from time to time. And I've called her Kathleen and Kathy and all kinds of other names. Her name is Catherine. But, you know, God knew who I was talking about. I call my own children the wrong name at times. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You think God knows who I'm talking about? He absolutely does. And, and y'all be paying, praying for Catherine. She, this coming week, she's going through what's the crucible. It's the most difficult part of boot camp, and boot camp is difficult. So just be praying for her. And if you mispronounce her name, God knows who she is. He's been watching after her all this time, and he will continue. It says, I love the Lord because he hears and answers my prayers. Because he bends down and listens, I will pray as long as I have breath. Death had its hold around my throat. The terrors of grave overtook me, and, and I saw only trouble and sorrow. And then I called on the name of the Lord. Please, Lord, save me. How kind the Lord is. How good he is. So merciful, this God of ours. He is merciful. He don't give us what we deserve. He is full of compassion. Verse 6 says, the Lord protects those of childlike faith. I was facing death, and then he saved me. Verse 7 says, Now I can rest again, for the Lord has been so good to me. He has saved me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. And then listen to what it says in Hebrews 13, verse 5. It says, Stay away from the love of money. Notice it didn't say stay away from money. What did it say? Stay away from the love of money. Use it, but don't fall in love with it. Okay? So stay away from the love of money. Use it, but don't fall in love with it. Stay away from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. Learn to be content with your relationship with Almighty God who can take care of your every need. He says, be satisfied with what you have, for God has said, I will, what's that next word? I will never fail you. I will never forsake you. That is why we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, not just, well, the Lord is somebody's helper. No, that's why we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? God cares. You don't have to be afraid about the future. No matter how bleak and, and how dreary and, and how hopeless it might look, God says he's not going to abandon you in the midst of it. He says, 
He's going to be there. He'll never fail you. He'll never forsake you. So, the Lord's my helper. I'll not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? You know, those who deserve love the least, you know what I'm talking about? Those who deserve love the least, they need it the most. Have you ever been in a situation where you did something and you really didn't deserve love, but you desperately needed it? You didn't deserve forgiveness, but you desperately needed forgiveness. Who cares? God cares. And as God's children, then we got to care. Begin to care for, for the men, the women, the boys and girls that God brings into your sphere of influence. Just begin to care with a kind word, a kind action. Begin to care. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 says, Dear friends, if a Christian is overtaken by some sin. Now, do Christians ever get caught up and fall into some sin? How many of you are Christians? How many would say yes? Okay. It says, dear friends, if a Christian is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should criticize and expose them. Wait a minute. Is that what it says? Oh, I misread that. It says, dear friends, if a Christian, a believer, a follower of Christ, is overcome by some sin, you who are godly, that just means Christ-like, should, what's that next word? Gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. So if you have ever tried to help someone who's fallen into sin, if you've tried to help them by jerking them around, being rude and critical and judgmental and threatening and bringing up bad stuff and all, you was way off base. Th think about this for just a moment. How many of you here have ever been lost? In a car or taking a hike somewhere, you know, anywhere. Have you ever been lost? And, and, and you go up to somebody and you go, uh, excuse me, could you give me directions? What do you think I am, a map? You got yourself lost, you no good scumbag, you. Now, do you appreciate that? What if in the wintertime your, your car skids off into a deep ditch? You got AAA. You call them. The record guy comes, he looks down the bank direction, he's going like, you are a lousy driver. I can't believe they let you even drive an automobile. How old are you, three? Then he hooks up his winch on his wrecker there, and, and he just allows it to drag your car over rocks and trees, scratching it, breaking some windows. It flips over. He pulls it up to the top and says, that's what you deserve. I know you got AAA, but I'm sending you another bill. Now, how do you feel about that? Do you recommend his services to other people? No way. Is that the way you are when people have been caught in some sin? Are we that critical, that exposing, that judgmental, can't wait to go and tell somebody and gossip about it? The Bible says, Galatians 6, 1, Dear friends, if a Christian is overcome 
by some sin. You who are godly should recklessly, oh, I'm sorry, what did you say? Gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And, and, and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Your car can slide off the ditch also. You know? But he says, be gentle. You be gentle because you care, you see. Think about this for just a moment. You be gentle because you care. He says, you who are godly should gently and humbly help a person back on the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptations yourself while you're pulling them out of the ditch. Now, the word restore, the word restore is, is, is talking about, you know, like the resetting of bones. Has anybody here ever had a bone that was broken that had to be set? Wow, I am not alone. When I was a teenager, and if I was swinging out of a tree, trying to do the things that Tarzan did, I was a little bit heavier than Tarzan was. And anyhow, I slipped on my rope, and I was swinging out of a tree and just swinging way out there. I was about 15 foot off the ground, and I slipped, and I did a beautiful swan dive right into the ground. You know, and this arm right here, you ever seen the cartoons where they'll take a lead pipe and hit Donald Duck over the head with it, and it leaves the impression of Donald Duck in the pipe? Well, that's the way my arm looked right here, you know. And then this one wasn't deformed, but it was broken. And, you know, they decided, my mom decided, because I was out there screaming bloody murder, that she should take me to the hospital. And they took me to the hospital, took me in an operating room there. You get all these doctors around there, you know. It's just like everywhere. And, and, you know, they would ask a couple of questions, but for the most part, they were just doing what they knew to do. And they gave me a shot in this leg and a shot in this leg, and I hated needles. You know, it's like, no, you know. And then they gave me a shot here and a shot there, three in each arm. And then the doctor, after he let it, you know, take for a couple of moments there, then he put his hands and his, his, his palms around my arm here and he began to push with assistance from someone else and pull. And I could hear and feel like Rice Krispies taking place, you know, snap, crackling, popping and all. And he, he reset the bone. You know what? I got pretty good arms to this day. You know? They, everything works and all. Um, now, you might say, well, that wasn't gentle. He was as gentle as he could be to reset the bones. Does that make sense? His goal was to restore. He wasn't there just like, hey, does that hurt? <laughs> I thought it would, you know. Is that the way we do people, the body of Christ? Hey, you got what you had coming, didn't you? Hey, you're really having a miserable time, you sinful person, you. You know, a person who talks like that is, is just about to take a fall themselves. If you're not gentle and ministering to other people, you will learn the hard way. The truth of it is God has comforted you and forgiven you so you can comfort and forgive other people and help them back on the, the road. Don't be critical. Not even humorously judging and, and putting them down. You can't do that, see. That's not the way Jesus does it. So in restoring, setting bones and pulling people out of ditches and restoring them in the right relationship with God, 
You do it how? What was that word? Gently. You do it gently, carefully. You know, you, you, you don't want to hurt people, see, because you care. Who cares? God cares. And then God's children. And you know who he said really cares the most? He said it right up here, if I can find where I was at. He says, uh, someone's overtaken in a fault, you who are, uh, you who are what? Godly. The godly men and women, they are the ones who really work at fixing people, restoring people, comforting people, giving people hope. The godly men and women. If you're just criticizing, exposing, picking on them, you're not godly. You're not godlike. Anyhow, let's pick up in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. <clears throat> it says, share each other's troubles. Share them. Share each other's troubles and problems, and in this way obey the law of Christ. Share it. You know, the old saying, I really love it. It's like a, uh, a joy that's shared is a double joy. If you're fishing and catching an awesome big old fish and there's somebody that are sharing it with you, it's twice as good, you know. And a, a sorrow that is shared is only half of a sorrow because you got someone who's kind of helping carry half of that weight, you see. And it says share each other's troubles and problems and in this way obey the law of Christ. A 19th century painting shows a long row of beggars waiting in a soup line. They're all ragged and grubby and shady looking, but around the head of one, barely perceivable, is a halo. Of all those, you know, grubby creatures waiting in the soup line, one of them had just a little, you could barely see it, a halo. One of them is Christ. You may not see a halo around the heads of your brothers and sisters who are in need. Yet to serve them is to serve Christ. Didn't Jesus say when you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me? Because see, the king is hidden among his subjects. And you'll be helping someone who's in a need who looks like a shady character. And the king was hiding there. And Jesus says, when you fed the hungry and you gave something to drink to the thirsty and you gave a blanket to the cold, he said, you was doing it unto me. The church's unique mark in this world in which we live is our love, is our caring. That's what sets us apart and makes us different, you know. And the better we know our own heart, <laughs> the less we'll despise others. You know what I'm talking about? Do you know your own heart? Is it easy to criticize other people? What did Jesus tell the uh, guys who was going to stone that woman who was caught in adultery? Remember what Jesus said? He who is without sin. Uh, go ahead and throw the first stone. Is there any man or woman here tonight who is without sin? Because if you raise your hand, you're a liar, and that means that you have sinned. Okay? But Jesus forgave the woman 
And he says, I, you're not in any position to throw rocks at other people. That's not why he put us here to throw rocks at other people. That, that's, that was not it. Well, let's pick up in Galatians 6, chapter 3. Uh, chapter uh, 6, verse 3, it says, If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. The Bible says that. If I, I don't have time to go and help. Here's an example. I don't have time to help the little kids at VBA. I hate kids. God heard that. You was a kid one time. You remember that? He says, if you think you're too important, and I'm not talking about just VBA, but I'm talking about people that God brings into your sphere of influence. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourselves. You are not that important. So let's stop pretending that we're better than everybody else. If it wasn't for the grace of God, we would be the, the worst of the worst of the worst. That's the truth. The, the Apostle Paul said that of his own self. He said, I'm the chief of sinners. And so he never was out there criticizing, but he was giving them hope and telling them the good news. See, there's a lot of emphasis in these days put on self-esteem. You know? You got low self-esteem, we got to build your self-esteem. There's a lot of emphasis put on self-esteem. But if you go to the Bible, the Bible really talks more about others' esteem. Esteeming others is better than yourself. When you lift up other people, see, a lot of people think, well, if I put somebody down, it lifts me up. No, it don't. You know? You lift up other people, and that, that you reap what you sow. So we've got to be careful, you know. Problems really do arise from having too much self-esteem or self-centeredness. We need to, to have our focus on Jesus and our focus on people. Men and women, boys and girls, we need to have our focus there. And we need to care, because God cares. <laughs> God loves and he cares and he forgives. Uh, listen to what it says here in Philippians 1, verse 3. I'm reading it out of the Message Bible. It's pretty cool. It says, don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. I want to get in the front line. I want to get to the top. It says, don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Do you know that's the quickest way for you to get ahead is to help other people get ahead? Verse 4 says, don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Help somebody else along the way. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, this is what Paul says. He says, this is a true saying, and everyone should believe it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. you believe that? And here it Here's what we were talking about. Here's what Paul, Paul says, and, and I was the worst of them all. The Apostle Paul, our role model, says I was the worst. He was not standing in judgment, criticizing. He says, God forgave me after what I did. He'll forgive you. He'll help you. And let me tell you about his love. Apostle Paul, he cared because he took the heartbeat of God and it became his who cares? God cares. And God's children, they care. You know, we, 
become vulnerable when we love people and go out of our way to help them. We become vulnerable. This is going to bring a balance. It's going to help us to see it. And that's what the wealthy industrialist, y'all have heard of him, Charles Schwab, he declared this after going to court and winning a nuisance suit at age 70. And then he was given permission by the judge who was there in the courtroom. The judge gave Charles permission to speak to the audience. And he made the following statement. Charles Schwab made this statement. He said, I'd like to say here in a court of law and speaking as an old man that nine-tenths of my troubles are traceable to my being kind to others. Ninety percent of his problems came from being kind to people. He says, look, you young people, if you want to steer away from trouble, be hard-boiled, you know, hard-hearted. Be quick with a good, loud no to anyone and everyone. And if you follow this rule, you will seldom be bothered as you tread life's pathway. Except you'll have no friends, you'll be lonely, and you won't have any fun. Now, Charles Schwab, he made this point. You know, love and caring for others it does bring heartache because you'll get hurt in the midst of it. But what he was saying here, when you help other people, you know it's going to bring heartache, but it's worth it. It's worth it. The alternative is to be lonely and have no fun and to be just an old stick in the mud, you know. I just thought, you know, from a very wealthy guy, he had some wisdom to depart to us. Galatians chapter 6, verse 4 says, Be sure to do what you should, for then you will enjoy the personal satisfaction of having done your work well, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. George Washington Carver said, How far you go in life depends upon you being, number one, tender with the young. Are you tender with young people? Number two, compassionate with the aged. And I think everybody should be compassionate to the aged, especially as I'm getting more aged all the time. <laughs> Number three says, be sympathetic with the striving. People haven't ri a, a, a riven, I mean, hasn't reached their goals yet, but they're striving for it. Be sympathetic with the striving and be tolerant of the weak and of the strong. And then... George Washington Carver says, because someday in life, you will have been all of these. You'll be the young, the aged, the striving, the weak, and the strong. So do your part for each and every one of them, because you're passing through each and every one of those positions of life. Galatians chapter 6, verse 5 says, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Now, interesting here, I was reading about this uh, fellow, his name is Gothold, he was a writer, you know, and it says, wishing to seal a letter, Gothold, he called for a lighted candle because they would, you know, drip the wax and melt the seal and things like that. So he called for a lighted candle and the maid in his household there, she obeyed his orders, but proceeding too hastily, the candle went out. You can visualize that, right? So, okay, 
in the dark, you know. The candle went out, which had not gathered sufficient strength. Here, said Gothold, he says, we have that which may well remind us of the gentleness and the moderation to be observed in our behavior toward weak and erring brothers. Had this candle, when first lighted, been carried slowly and shaded by the hand from the air, it would not have been extinguished, but would have soon burned with vigor. In like manner, many a weak brother or sister might have been set right if we only came to his help in the right way and with kindly advice. We must be as gentle with people as with the candle. You want to restore somebody? You want to give somebody hope? You want them to see your position? Well, you take the approach as you would when you're lighting a candle and you're moving through the house. You know, you got to take it gentle until it gets to really a blazing. And sometimes when we're trying to help somebody else, we come on too, too fast, too hard, too strong. And they go, I'm out of here, you know. Got to be gentle is, is what we're learning here. It tells us here in Luke 6, verse 31, it says, do for others as you would like them to do for you. Here's a, an awesome article helps us see that here. And it's really how discipleship, discipleship, I mean, Jesus said to lead people to Christ and disciple, make disciples. You know, it's, it's really all about others. And here, old Bill, he was hired, he was hired to street sweep, you know, sweep the streets in a very small town in, in the mountain area. And once a week, the street sweeper would come by with his big brush, and, and, and Bill was a friendly old fella, and Miss Gidding on the corner, she got into the habit all that summer when Bill came by of taking him out a glass of lemonade and a slice of cake. And he thanked her very shyly, you know, and, and then he went about his business. Well, one evening there came a knock at the back door of Miss Gidding's home. Bill was there with a sack of peaches in one hand and a handful of roasting ears, you know, ears of corn, in the other. And he seemed embarrassed as he said, I, I brought these, I brought you these, ma'am, for your kindness. Oh, you shouldn't, exclaimed Miss Gidding. It wasn't nothing. And then the street sweeper said the odd, an odd thing. He said, well... No, he agreed. Maybe it wasn't much what you did, ma'am, but it was more than anyone else did. There are people all around us who are hungry for somebody to care. VBA, we're going to see kids, and they look tough and happy and on the outside, but they are desperate love, desperate for somebody to care. A man fell into a pit and he couldn't get himself out and a subjective person came along and said, 
I feel for you down there. An objective person came along and said, it's logical that someone would fall down there. A Christian scientist came along, said, you only think you're in a pit. <laughs> a Pharisee came by and said, only bad people fall into pits. A mathematician calculated how he fell into the pit. A news reporter wanted the exclusive story on his pit. A fundamentalist said, you deserve your pit. Confucius said, if you would have listened to me, you would not have been in that pit. Buddha said, your pit is only a state of mind. A realist said, now that's a pit. lost my other page. You're not being critical, are you? <laughs> A scientist calculated the pressure necessary in pounds and square inches to get him out of the pit. A geologist told him to appreciate the rock strata in the pit. An evolutionist said, you are a rejected mutant destined to be removed from the evolutionary cycle. In other words, you're going to die in the pit so you cannot produce any more pit-falling offspring. <laughs> the county inspector came by and asked, do you have a permit for your pit? <laughs> a professor gave him a lecture on the elementary principles of the pit. An evasive person came along and avoided the subject of the pit altogether. A self-pitying person said, you haven't seen anything until you've seen my pit. A charismatic said, just confess you're not in a pit. An optimist said, things could be worse. A pessimist said, things will get worse. <laughs> Jesus, seeing the man, took him by the hand and lifted him up out of the pit. Who cares? Jesus cares. And I'm going to tell you, true love, it costs. It costs. And, and, and it's messy sometimes. But it's worth it. It genuinely is worth it. Psalms 40, verse 1, it says, I waited for the Lord. I waited patiently for the Lord. Psalms 40, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and he heard my cry and he lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a solid ground and he steadied me as I walked along. And, and he who got me out of the pit, he has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. And, and many will see what he has done and they'll be astounded and they'll put their trust in the Lord. That's, the Bible says he brings us out of the pit. I read an article years ago about these uh, Scottish miners. I believe it was six of them. And they were forced to make a heart-rending decision while they were working 1,500 feet below the surface when a shaft collapsed. Debris trapped one of their companions, and then mud and water began to rush into the... the uh, the, the shafts all around them, and the miners realized that soon all avenues of escape would be closed to them, and they all would perish unless they fled without delay. And with great agony, the six men 
decided to let their co-worker die rather than all of them to be entombed in that shaft while attempting to save him. They were compelled to abandon him. This happened, you know. See, in contrast, God is never forced to forsake you. No matter what your situation is, he is never forced to forsake one of his children. Never, ever will he forsake you. No matter how desperate the situation might be, no matter how great the problem that you're facing now or may face tomorrow, he will never, ever abandon you. Our Heavenly Father, he stays by our side to meet our deepest need. And he has wisdom and power. And under no circumstances will God give up on those that he purchased with the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. You know. Now, truth of it is, there's times when we feel abandoned. But feelings aren't right and wrong. They just are. But we feel like we're abandoned, but never are we abandoned. Let me read you this verse one more time. Hebrews 13, verse 5. The halfway in it says, For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never forsake you. That is why we can say with confidence, The Lord is my helper, so I will not be afraid. So, Galatians 6, verse 9, it says, So don't get tired of doing what's good. Don't get discouraged and give up. For we will reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate time. Whatever, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to our Christian brothers and sisters. Now, I'm just about to wind down here, but let me share one more article. I want to share these little stories and these news articles to inspire you as we launch out into the rest of our summer here. But years ago, in a church in Dallas, we are having trouble finding a teacher for a junior high boys class. The list of prospects had only one name. There was only one person. And when they told me who it was, I said, you've got to be kidding. But I couldn't have been more wrong about that young man. He took the class and he revolutionized it. And I was so impressed, I invited him to my home for lunch and I asked him the secret of his success with those boys. And he pulled out a little black book. On each page, he had a small picture of one of the boys. And under the boy's name were comments like, having trouble in arithmetic, or comes to church against his parents' wishes, or would like to be a missionary someday, but doesn't think he has what it takes. The young man who had taken over those young boys, he said, I pray over those pages every day. And I can hardly wait to come to church each Sunday to see what God has been doing in their lives. Man, what would the world in which we live look like if we started doing something like that? We started caring. And we kept a little notebook of what we were praying for and could hardly wait to see somebody the next day, the next week, to see what's God been doing in your life this week. Because God does answer prayer, does he not? 
Well, here's the last verse we're going to look at. Galatians 3, verse 12, it says, Since God chose you to be the holy people whom he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility. What's the next word? Clothe yourself with gentleness and patience. And here's, here's a powerful verse right here, folks. And he says, what's the second word there? It says you, verse 13, it says you must. It's not like an option. You must make allowance for each other's faults. You, you, you've got to make an allowance for a person who cuts you off, for that person who hurt you. You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, and you must forgive others. And the most important piece of clothing you must wear is love. Love is what binds us all together in perfect harmony. So, I'm going to share a little uh, video clip with you, and then we're going to pray. This is something I had shared with you sometime. I think we shared this with you before. I want you, I want you to look and see if this guy's lifestyle is not kind of like yours, but then he has an aha moment when he's given some glasses that enable him to see into other people's lives. You said God ministered to you through this. Every time I'm pulling out, he's right there. Man, and someone needs to talk to his parents if they're ever at home. What is up with the traffic today? It's always, every day, this intersection's always crowded. I hate pulling out of here. Maybe some of these dumb roads. Oh, there's. Oh. <laughs> okay, so I'm not even here. Right. Great lady. The princess of parking. Oh, sure. Take the spot. Way to be considerate. Oh, are you kidding me? Unbelievable. Oh. Thank you, ma'am. Oh, it's about time. Let's see, what do I want? Uh, yeah, could I add a cookie to that order? Yeah, no problem. Yeah, uh, no problem, only guy in the world. I'm sure you need your cookie. The world? Your oyster, and he's serving your cookies. Thanks, Thank sir. you so much. Uh huh. What can I get for you? Uh, yeah, I'll tall decaf macchiato. Yeah, sure, no problem. With three eighty-five. And uh, it might take a few minutes here. We've got quite a line, obviously. And thanks for your patience. Great. Yeah, <laughs> great. Great for me. Waiting again. Unbelievable. What? What is...
What is that? What in the world? Oh, uh, uh. what? What am I supposed to do? How can I? How can I do anything about that? Can I even help with that? I don't. Your copy, sir. Oh. I can't. I can't take this anymore. I gotta get out of here. Hey, watch. just need somebody to care. Who cares? God cares. And I believe that God's kids care. Let's pray. Father, I ask your blessings upon us. Help us to care the way you care. Help us to love the way you love. Help us to make a difference with our lives. Oh God, tweak us. And help us to see the things we've gone through or going through is just going to enable us to comfort others who are going through similar things in the future. As our heads are bowed, would you join me as we reaffirm our faith in Christ? And if you're here tonight and you've never welcomed Jesus into your life, would you join us as we pray? Let Jesus come in and forgive you, heal your broken heart, and just begin to put you back together. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me, and you've got some great plans for my life. That's why you sent Jesus. I believe he died in my place. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and that he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door and I welcome Jesus to come into my life as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. I'm sorry for the times I just didn't care. Help me, almighty God, from this day forward to care the way you care for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Your weekly challenge, it just simply says, if you choose to accept it, I will personally, intentionally care about people this week. If that's you, you say, I'm going to retry this. Check it off there. Drop it in the tithe box on your way out. If you prayed with us a moment ago and you welcome Christ into your life, please stop at our Connections desk in the back. 
Got a little gift bag for you. It's got a Bible. It's free. And a movie and some other little goodies that I, I believe would inspire you. We got people back there helping you get connected. Mike uh, Kane's back there. You know, he's really helping out a whole lot with VBA this coming week out there under the tent. But he's also over all the life groups. You want to find out how to get connected in a group that cares? Talk to Mike. He'll help you out along that line. If you need some prayer, there'll be folks all around the altar up here who would pray with you. And they're up here because they care. Okay? So on our way out, if we would make it a point to just show somebody we care by a high five, a handshake, a hug, I would appreciate it. God bless you. You are dismissed.